Hey y'all, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I am your co-host along with my girl, Elise. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How we doing today? We are good. We are back home in Los Angeles. We were not in Los Angeles for a little bit of a stretch and we did a lot of manual labor, but we are home. So we are better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's going on with you? (laughs) Yeah, I, I honestly didn't even think about my sparkle. I was just so excited to hear yours. Oh, mine's good. I, I have a great sparkle. So I will freaking go first and it's not going to be what you think it is. It's fine. So, okay, guys, y'all are going to be so proud of me. I am so proud of me. You know how I was bitching a lot. I always bitch. Um, this was like a few episodes back and it was, <laughs> this is so stupid, but it was about the HOA board. And I was angry that one person in particular who definitely does not listen to this podcast didn't read the room about not pulling their weight on a very active committee. And like, I know a lot of people don't like HOA boards because when you live in a home, again, it's all, it's like regulating personal freedoms and it's like, cut your lawn and like, you know, put your trash cans up. It's like annoying stuff. But in a condo building, it's, it's really freaking important. I mean, we got a new roof, right? We got a new rooftop deck. We got new laundry rooms. We got new landscaping. I mean, I could keep going. It's a brand new building. And one person was not doing their job. And so our due date came for like, like it used to be that people would nominate you. And so like multiple people would always get nominated because people, you know, people have lived in this building since the beginning of time. So everyone knows them. I don't really think people love me, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. And so (laughs) I don't know if I would have gotten nominated, but this year you can nominate yourself. So this person nominated his or him. Okay. It's fine. It's a him. It nominated himself again. And the due date came and I was like, I am so annoyed because there's someone else who really wants to do it. Who's very active, who would be amazing. And like, this is not fair, but no one was going to say anything. And I just freaking pulled the trigger. I emailed this person and was like, FYI, if you continue with this and run, I'm going to make you be secretary, which is the worst officer position ever. And if you don't want to do it, I have someone who's ready and willing. And they responded and said, yeah, how do I withdraw my name? I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But I was so proud of myself. So my sparkle is even if you're scared, like Andrew looked at me because he's, he's treasurer and I'm president. <laughs> it was like, I can't believe how confrontational you just were. Like you are never confrontational. And I was like, well, most of the time I don't think it's worth it. And so I love that I have gotten so in tune with myself that I can figure out when it's worth it and when it's not. And this is one of those times where I was like, this is worth it. I am going to be fuming for an entire calendar year. If I don't get over myself and just say something, it's not that hard. My email was not rude. It was very nice. It was very long, but I thought it was also unfair to like set expectations on someone that hadn't agreed to it. No one wants to be secretary. No one wants to be secretary. (laughs) Secretary sucks. No one wants to be secretary, but my bestie, John already um, nominated himself to be secretary because he's the real MVP. (laughs) Anyway, guys, my sparkle is when it's worth it. And you know that you are going to be silently fuming for where the alternative could be just freaking saying something like what's the risk. There was no risk in this. We were, I was just being so immature. So 
I am so proud of myself. We have five people running for five spots and welcome to being in your thirties. Cause this is what it's like. <laughs> I'm so proud of you that when you sent me that text, I was like, yes, girl, you did it. It was, I'm never going to let anyone forget that I stepped up to the plate. I am so nerdy. I have to stop talking about this. Okay. Please tell me what your sparkle is before I like spiral into a depression. Well, before I don't, I honestly don't even know what my sparkle is, but it was Cal. Can I, can my sparkle be your birthday? No, (laughs) it was was Callie's birthday this week. And I just love you. And I want to sing happy birthday, but I, oh, I could Millie Millie's video. Oh my gosh. Okay run don't walk did we even post it permanently I think it's in stories it's no one's gonna stories. see it I maybe know. we can post it again we'll do a reprisal this weekend or something with Millie getting so excited singing happy birthday that she literally falls on her face I know <laughs> it was so cute but it was Callie's birthday this week and that is my sparkle Oh, did you see Grayson singing happy birthday? Oh my God. He is so freaking cute. His hairstyle is like amazing. Oh, he's too cool for school. For those of you, okay, if you listen to our infertility episode, then you know that I was an egg donor and have, as my grandfather would say, like a 12th of a grandchild. And I was like, that's not how this works. But okay, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? But he is too precious for words and Trish, his mama and him saying me happy birthday. We can put that on the stories too. I mean, he, it seriously was the other than Millie. I mean, between Millie and Grayson, I was like, this day is perfect just because of those two videos. So my other sparkle is sing happy birthday with cute puppies or cute babies to the people that you love on their birthday, please. And thank you. It goes a long way. Yes. I also should give, I'm giving my sparkle is going to be shout outs to people I love. So first Callie, second, my husband, Carl is literally wallpapering outside of our bedroom right now. And uh, he's doing it for the very first time, but we're like Ooh, wallpapering. So hard. we'll, we'll see. He watched a YouTube video. And last time he watched a YouTube video to learn how to do something, it was skiing and the ambulance ended up getting called. So we'll see how it goes. YouTube. Oh my gosh. I refuse to ski. It's Andrew. And I talked about this week. It's too expensive. You want me to pay how much for snow pants? How much for a lift? I'm sorry. How much for skis? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But also you could ski into a tree. Yeah. But no. this happens routinely. Yeah. Name Carl. one other sport where it's like, you, you might die easily doing I know. routine slope. My, you know, my anxiety obviously was Googling and it was like plenty of people die or get significantly injured skiing. Natasha Richardson, my love, hello, parent trap, uh, Liam Neeson's wife. She is like, Uh, I was so upset. She's the mom and parent trap. And then Sunny, um, Sunny from Sunny and Cher also, why are we talking about this? Okay. I know. (laughs) Sorry. I I went. I'm on a tangent. So the sparkle for today is don't go skiing. And if you yes. do, don't tell us about it. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's a white rich people sport too. It's just not, not my thing. It's just <laughs> not my thing. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's really dump out of this now. So we have a guest today, you guys. Yes, we do. Okay. So I'm going to do a quick intro on this guest. So her name is Brittany. 
and Brittany is a Blush Life Coach, but Brittany is very special. And here's why Brittany is special. Brittany was the first coach that I hired on Blush who I didn't personally know. Because if we recall, <laughs> we did not know if Blush was going to make it or not. Okay. <laughs> and Blush was actually kind of like fake, right? I had, I just borrowed pictures of my friends from grad school who I thought if I called them up, maybe they'll do it. A year in, someone joined and sh- they requested Danielle. And I was like, oh my God, that's not me. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then, you know, my, my three friends did it, but they were like, Hey, like, you know, we're doing this to support you. Woo, this is fun. But I don't, <laughs> are you done? I don't want any more clients. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to go hire someone. <gasps> how do I do that? I don't know how to hire someone. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I had so much social anxiety that I made people send me videos for to like, and I still do that actually. Now it's for efficiency. It's not necessarily because I have social, well, I still probably have social anxiety, but it, whatever. That's either neither here nor there. Brittany's video, I like, Brittany, can I be honest with you now? I only watched the first 30 seconds because I was like, I'm obsessed with her. I don't even care what she says for the rest of the video. I have <laughs> to have her. So, and she's been with us since what, like 2015, I think. I mean, it's been so long. So, anyway, Brittany, I am. So honored, not only that you're still with me on blush, but that you're on this podcast. I cannot wait to showcase the first real, okay, that's not fair, not real, but the first <laughs> legitimate, amazing blush coach. Girl, how are you? Thank you, Kelly, for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> I'm doing really well. And yes, it's been six years. As of July this year, it'll be six years that I've been with blush. It's been a wonderful ride. So I'm excited to be here today. So excited to have you. And we have a really, I think everyone's really, really, really going to like this podcast episode. This is kind of one of those things too, where I'm not totally sure if this is my wheelhouse or not. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, I don't really know if I'm an expert in this, but we're just going to try it. But Brittany definitely is. So today we're talking about being a perfectionist or becoming a recovering perfectionist, as Brittany always calls mm-hmm. it. Elise, I know you can relate to this as well. Oh yeah, 100%. I call myself a recovering perfectionist all the time. I'm not sure if anyone would call me that. I would need to like <laughs> maybe be more organized and on top of my shit for someone to <laughs> call me that. But I'm going to try my best. Okay, so let's let's get started, shall we? Um, I want to, I want to hear today's letter. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Dear bless you. I recently had a friend tell me that I was a perfectionist and told me to take the Enneagram test. Sure enough, I came back as a one wing two and I'm overwhelmed with all the information I'm learning and need some help and guidance with what to do with all of it. For some context, I am an only child. My parents separated when I was three and I don't have much of a relationship with my father. My mom and I have an interesting relationship. She had a tough upbringing, so I almost feel like she tries to live her life vicariously through me. When I was little, she had me in every extracurricular activity you can imagine. I had to do all the things. I took all the AP classes in high school and had tutors and academic advisors for everything. My room had to be spotless, and I had to look put together all the time. I started doing pageants when I was five years old, which I think has a lot to do with why I'm so critical of how I look now. My mom has always been, my mom was always the first to tell me when 
what I needed to do to be better. I honestly thought that's just what moms did. But now that I'm in my 30s, I'm seeing that there may be some things for my upbringing that are negatively impacting my relationship with myself and other people. I become almost obsessive about making sure everything is perfect, whether it's how I look. Don't even get me started on my self-talk. My job as an interior designer, cleaning my home, planning a trip, you name it. I have high standards for it and beat myself up if I ever fall short. short. (laughs) Ever since having this aha moment after digging into the Enneagram, I'm wondering if maybe being a perfectionist has any correlation to why I just don't feel satisfied in life and why I can't maintain romantic relationships. I've had a few casual flings here and there, but they always fizzle out. I've been told that I'm critical and controlling. Ouch, I know. I would love to hear your perspective on perfectionism and the impact it has on someone's life. Is there hope for me? How do I wrap my mind around welcoming imperfection from scared of imperfection? Woo! Man, this seems very overwhelming. (laughs) to me to live this life. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't have any of this in me. I'm sure that I do, but this just seems like I'm exhausted. Honestly, listening to this, I can't even imagine how poor scared of imperfection lives her everyday life. I mean, it just seems like everything has to be perfect. So Hmm. I'm like really trying to figure out where to even start. I think I'm going to, you know what? I think I'm going to start with something that my AP English teacher, Miss Salyer, if you're out there, I still think about you and I still love you. <laughs> Did you have Mrs. Salyer in South no. Lake Elise? No. She was, she's like the, my brother and I both agree. She's like one of the coolest ladies that we've ever met. But she said something to me at the time that was really disheartening to hear as a junior in high school, but I've never forgotten it. And I think it's some of the best advice I've ever gotten, which is if you want to be disappointed, have high expectations. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think she was actually talking about it in the context of like a school dance. I mean, something really silly, but that's what she said to our class. And I was like, I'm not supposed to have a high expectations of my life. I'm not supposed to have high expectations of the people around me. Like this is so depressing. And I don't think that's what she meant. I don't think she didn't. I don't think she was saying don't have standards. Okay. Standards are different than expectations. I know that sounds confusing, but to me, standards are, I refuse to be treated less than this. And Mm -hmm. this is my self-confidence, you know, showing to the world as my standards expectations to me are everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to have a great time. It's going to look like this. It's going to go like this. And everything's going to go the way that I think it's going to go, which as we know, that never happens. So scared of imperfection. I hope that this doesn't like shatter your dreams here. But I think the first thing I'm going to say is you have to have a really frank discussion with your expectations. And I think the first thing you have to do is figure out when are you setting these expectations? What do they look like? How often are you doing it? Cause that's the thing. Half the thing I think half the time, I just don't think I even think enough to have high expectations. Like I go into things and I'm like, Oh, I didn't like, like this podcast. I didn't think about it until about five minutes before it started. So if this podcast sucks, well, it's not going to disappoint me because I didn't have any expectations for it. <laughs> Like, I just didn't think about it. Um, But I think really intelligent, smart people think about a lot of things. And so scared of imperfection, I want you to like silence 
yourself at least five times a day and check in and see what are these expectations that you're setting? What are they about? What do they look like? And that's where I want you to get started. Okay. But I want to hear Brittany. I want to hear from you because I know that this is one of your favorite topics. I know that this is something that you work with a lot of clients on. So I'm going to cue you in. I want to hear your thoughts after reading this letter. So there's definitely a lot that's going on here. Um, but you brought up a point that I really want to touch on first, because I think there's a misconception about perfectionism. Like it actually falls on the spectrum, which I wasn't aware of. So for a long time, I didn't know that I actually was a perfection perfectionist because it didn't, I guess, look like what people typically assume that it does. So that person that, you know, gives 110% on everything that they do. And it's just like they drive and push themselves to the absolute limit, like as far as they can go. On the other end of that spectrum, you have the person who they think if it won't be perfect, then it's going to constitute a failure. So rather than give 110%, I'll maybe give 70 or 80% so that when it does in fact fail, um, I won't be to blame for it. I'll be able to, you know, talk it up to, well, you know what, I didn't give 110%. So like, it's okay. Like it doesn't fall on me. So there's, again, just two sides to this coin when it comes to this topic and you can fall anywhere along that spectrum. That's and then the next- I'm like, like very I'm, much so. My mind's blown. Okay, sorry. Keep going. I just had to say, like, <laughs> guys, I was, I was miming a uh, head exploding. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so then the next point to go from there is kind of to ask yourself, okay, so where does this stem from? So for the latter example that I get that I gave for people who tend to fall into perfectionism, some of it might stem from make a fear a failure. Um, or embarrassment or disappointment, which you actually touched on before. So it's like you have those people that don't desire to experience those things, but they still want to have the outcome of something being perfect. So they're juggling between, okay, well, I want it, but I'm afraid that I'm still not going to be able to reach it. So I'm just going to avoid it at all costs. Um, so you have those people. And then you have others who are dead set on it, like you kind of touched on with like their expectations, like it has to be this, because if it's not this, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied. Like, I just, it's not an option. And they give everything that they've got towards it. So, and perhaps some of that is maybe approval, whether it's from other people or for themselves to be able to kind of say to the world that I'm enough, like I can juggle and do everything. They perhaps get just it's kind of embedded, I guess, in their identity. Like I'm that person that gets shit done. Like I'm the person who can be depended upon. I'm the person who is qualified, like who is, you know, just that person that you go to. And there's, again, it just, it's something that I guess feeds into, again, just essentially their identity. So that would be the first place, I guess, to start for the writer of this story. Like we know that her mom kind of started it up, but perhaps there's something within her that's continuing to fuel it. So asking, okay, so what is it about this? Like, what am I getting from this? Because we don't typically continue habits unless we're getting something from it or avoiding mm. something from it. Mm. I agree. I so agree. I would love to know what that motivation is. Elise, what do you think? I'm just like in awe of Brittany's wisdom all the time. Every coach meeting when Brittany opens her mouth, I'm literally like, 
oh my God, I need to like have her be my mentor, truly. But I love the point of um, key motivation. And I, where I kind of went with this was um, like self-limiting beliefs. So like my, cause I definitely relate to like the side of the spectrum that Brittany was talking about in terms of like, it is part of your identity to be like, an accomplisher to be someone who people can depend on. So I've always thought of perfectionism and like my experience with perfectionism was like at the root of that is like your self-worth is dependent on your achievements. And so I think when that is kind of like the foundation that you're built on, which it sounds like, you know, I love family dynamics and it sounds like her relationship. I mean, I can't speak to the one with her dad, but her mom, it sounded like their relationship was a lot of expectations and a lot of maybe like getting validation when things went right for a second and then moving on to the next. That's kind of what I got from her saying, you know, speaking to her relationship with her mom. But, um, I think when you have that foundation, like you can get a lot of self-limiting beliefs from, experiences like that, that kind of like continue on unless you're aware of them and have a chance to challenge them. So I'm curious, like, you know, the high parental expectations and maybe like if the letter writer is associating like love and worth with accomplishment and success, and she has a self-limiting belief of like, in order to be loved or to be accepted, I have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that's there. I'm also just reading this and I'm like, so does that mean that everything she's done so far has been perfect? And she's just afraid of what it looks like when it's not, because how the fuck did she pull that off? I would, <laughs> I would love to know. Can she tell me, like, can we get an update so that I know? I mean, I keep coming back to this one memory that I have and I, I, I want to bring it up because it might be the first thing to unravel this, to give this person a good start. Um, but when I was in graduate school, I got hired to work as actually I started out as a server and then I ended up working as a bartender, never working at a restaurant. And I happened to work at one of the most intense, insane restaurants out there. I mean, it's just, it was harder than grad school. Like no doubt it was so tough. And I had to learn how to carry three water glasses in one hand. You guys, I have very small hands, like very small hands and very weak (laughs) wrists. Okay. Like I still don't have a strong wrist, even after like carrying plates, like I'm just not good at this. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I mean, I spent weeks, I would come home and put three glasses in my hand to practice this because if I couldn't master it, I was going to fail training. Well, I mean, I failed training four times. That's actually true, but they give you five times to pass. So of course I ended up passing But I'm sure the look on my face as I was, you know, doing whatever rounds around the restaurant, carrying these water glasses was like, you know, and I'm supposed to smile all the time, but I couldn't because I'm staring at my hand. And then I would avoid certain tables because they would have water that was really full of these glasses. I'm I'm not not going to that table because I don't want to pick up that water glass. (laughs) The hostess who'd worked there for like 20 years knew exactly what was happening. I'm sure this is the millionth time she's seen a little girl come in. I was like, I don't know how to do this. And she, I'm like, it was, it was like in between shifts, but you know, we never closed. So there were still people in the restaurant and it was broad daylight. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went over and got three full water glasses in one hand and had another one, the other. And she walked up to me and she goes, 
I'm sorry. And I was like, for what? And she slapped my hand. So all three water glasses went everywhere. And I was like, and so everyone looked at me, the glasses broke. I turned bright red and then ran to the back. Like I've already been trained how to do this. Like got the mop, got the broom and like ran and like went to the back and was so mortified. But then also it was such a relief because it happened. We knew it was going to happen. Of course I was going to drop the fucking water glasses at some point. And she just got it over, you know, got it over with for me. And so I wasn't as scared to do it anymore. So I would go out on the floor and I'd be like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I know that I'm like pretty fast to go get the broom and the mop and like, yeah, some assholes might clap, which please don't do that to servers when they drop something. I hate people who do that. Like just act like it didn't happen. Okay. But it messing up on purpose was one of the things that kind of freed me of having to be on it all the time. And so I'm like, what if she had a messy room? (laughs) You know, like what if she accidentally sends or maybe doesn't accidentally send an email with a typo in it? Like, I'd love for her to get confirmation that people don't expect her to be perfect all the time. Maybe her mom does, maybe she does, but like, we're actually more forgiving than I think people give us credit for as a human race. So I would love for her to start testing this out. And, you know, hopefully you have someone in your life that will slap those water glasses out of your hands too. Melanie, love you, girl. That was, I love, I needed that. (laughs) But yeah, I just, that's, that's what just, I keep going back to. I wonder what it would be like if she just cut loose so that she could actually see that it's not that terrifying when things aren't spick and span. Yeah. That's a really good example, honestly. And I think both of you kind of touched on it in that it really starts in the mind. And with perfectionists, they tend to have a fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset. So it tends to be out the gate, like I'm striving, aiming for this to come out right, like to excel, to be the best, like to to have it again, like for that particular side of the spectrum, like that's what they're aiming for versus a growth mindset. Like you go into things understanding, no, it won't be perfect or whatever, like, but that's okay. Like that's a part of the process. Like life is about learning along the way and making mistakes. Like a lot of the learning comes from having made mistakes and I'll be okay in the process. So it would probably be beneficial for her to take some baby steps and maybe, maybe making a typo, like you mentioned, like on an email or just having, I guess maybe a tough conversation with someone that she's close with trust, um, feels like she can have or be transparent with about like what it is that she's experiencing. Someone who maybe won't judge her, um, just for being honest about like some of these experiences that she's had and what it, I guess, would mean to walk or start this journey of trying to be more authentic because, truthfully, when we operate in perfectionism, we're not being 100% authentic. We're trying to present the image that we think the world or whatever wants to see of us as opposed to who we really are, which is flawed human beings. So. Oh, totally. I'm upset. Okay. Uh, My mind is blown again. When you brought up fixed mindset versus growth mindset, I think you're, I think you're right. I didn't even think about that, that I mean, of course this is a mindset issue, but it's so helpful to actually put like a label on it so that I can understand it. And hopefully she can understand it. 
Um, so I kind of got from what you were saying, Brittany, that she needs to change her goal. So I remember in college, my goal was always getting the A. It wasn't absorbing the material. And I feel really mm. stupid half the time because I didn't like, I took that class, but I don't remember that at all because I wasn't, and the goal was not to learn. The goal was to get as good of a GPA as I could. And I have a higher GPA. I mean, I had an almost perfect GPA and Andrew did not. And Andrew remembers so much shit from college. And I'm like, that would be nice if I had had the mindset to just, I don't know, learn, you know, do what we're <laughs> supposed to do. But I didn't because I was operating with a fixed mindset. So changing that goal of what is this for? Is this to make as much money as I want? Because if that's the goal, maybe you need to add some other goals in there. You know, is this tip for people's approval? Like to me, I just feel like stripping those goals immediately is going to be so difficult, but adding new ones could maybe help. So, so studying the growth mindset and figuring out what is a goal that's similar to learning, I would say connection, maybe community, um, like support, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, getting better at something, which is basically another way of saying learning. <laughs> you know, I think you know what I mean. That's, that's really interesting. And I think that could be a, a really great start for her to really transform the way, like really transform the relationship she has with everything, her job, her hobbies, her space, her friends, her romantic relationships that don't go anywhere. I mean, changing the goal from reminds me of like, you know, I want to get married versus I want to create a healthy relationship. Like that's mm -hmm. another example. Um, Ooh, I think we could keep, I think we could have like a lot of examples. of this. <laughs> I love it. I love the, um, the, like, I think when I think of like growth mindset, I think of like flexibility, right? Like it's so much, there's not like two options that you have like an A and a B, right? Like there's like a gray area in between. So I think you're almost like setting yourself up for more peace when you have that growth mindset and that flexibility involved. Yes. And so I think that that's I, my first, I have to bring up Brene Brown because I just love her. And we just read her book, the gifts of imperfection. Right. And she has all these guideposts. Um, and it was just, one of them was like flexibility. And, you know, I thought that that was great because I am a very rigid person. I'm like someone who's very rigid. I definitely am like, you know, like everything into to be in order and all of that. So that was a great resource for me in being, cause she talks about being like good enough. Right. So I would, I would encourage the letter writer to really like figure out like what, what is good enough for her and maybe like test out and see what that looks like in her life. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah. And you also hit another nail on the head because that's essentially what it is. Like for these individuals that fall along that end of the spectrum, they tend to have that all or nothing kind of mindset about things. Like it, it either has to be this way or it just can't be like at all. Like, again, like just not having a level, a level of satisfaction with it, which she kind of touched on when she mentioned, I think something about her relationships. I don't know if it was just maybe romantic or just relationships in general. And it's like, of course that's going to be the case because you're dealing with imperfect people. Like there's no other kind, like that's all that's out there. Yeah. So they're going to do things to disappoint you that maybe make you feel fearful, like that maybe make you 
question things. Like, again, just put you in uncomfortable spaces. And I think that's part of what perfectionism is about. It's like essentially trying to live in this bubble to avoid like those uncomfortable situations where you are maybe put on the spot and again, have to deal with disapproval or embarrassment or disappointment, like any of those things. It's like, no, I want things to be clean and neat and tidy. I want it to go this way, this route or whatever is easiest possible. Like I want the clear path. I don't want the one that zigzags or whatever around here. Like, no, I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what all the steps are. Like I, I need my compass, like tell me exactly what to do, like to avoid all of that discomfort, all of that scary stuff out there that I may not have the answers to. Like, it's just that will make me essentially uncomfortable. And it's like, but with growth comes discomfort. Like, so it's essentially kind of just normalizing the fact that everyone goes through that. Like, it's not something that's, I guess, just, it's not even necessarily something that needs to be avoided as long as, again, you have the right mindset, like going into it, understanding that that is a part of the process, not just for you, but for everyone. And if you approach things going into it that you do not have to be an expert, like knowing everything from junk, because quite often, like if I'm about to attempt a new task, I do all the research. I'm reading all the books. I'm asking all the questions. Like I'm doing everything possible to prepare me for it. Again, to avoid maybe looking embarrassed or being confused and not having answers, just not knowing. There's something about that I think so closely linked to perfectionism. Like, mm-hmm. is I don't like it. Like, if I can't see it, I get black and white. I want that. Don't give me the gray. I don't want the gray. <laughs> like, I can't do anything with that gray. Like, so sometimes <laughs> I think just honestly sitting in it, like that's, it's scary, but it's so helpful. Avoiding it isn't, it's not going to do anything. It's still going to be that ginormous elephant in the room. Like you got to sit with it, the discomfort Mm. sometimes. Yeah. So what I got from that, I mean, beyond again, another (laughs) mind blown situation is it seems like what I'm hearing is perfectionism or the input that you put in to be perfect is trying to compensate for us knowing that we don't have control. So the more we put into it, the more we have control or have the illusion of control. Again, I'm, you know, the older I get, the more I'm like, control, never heard of her. <laughs> like we, we don't have it. She don't live here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I get that the idea of not having control is absolutely terrifying. And so it would make sense that in order to combat that or to compensate for it, you're going to be putting a ton into everything you do to avoid that feeling. And so Brittany's saying, sit in it. You go sit in a corner and sit in that discomfort and deal with it because the more you you get comfortable with that. And I, I don't know if it ever feels comfortable to be fair. Like, I don't, maybe that's not the goal but at least you get used to it. At least you're like, okay, I know what this is. I'm not terrified of it. Like I'm going to survive because I've survived before. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of that quote that I love that. um, What does it say? It says you're afraid to surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control in the first place. All you had was anxiety. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that is it. There's one more thing that I, that keeps, popping into my head and it's the concept of time and how I feel like time could be a good like almost compass for you navigating this so I know that when I'm trying to combat perfectionism if, if that's really what I deal with I'm not sure who the hell knows I I will ask myself 
you know, what's an appropriate amount of time for this task? And, and am I stressing over something that should take five minutes? And is it taking me 30? And I've noticed that Andrew does this too. He'll have to do things. And I'm like, it'll take you five minutes. And then he'll take an hour and I'm realizing, okay, there's a lot of fear here, right? There's a lot behind this. What's going on? What are you worried about? This is just an email, you know, or this is just whatever. This shouldn't take you that long. Um, but I've noticed that like the more that I sit back and think about time as a variable when it comes to my life, especially like trying to skirt things that I shouldn't skirt, like trying to put in the bare minimum and say relationships, like relationships to me should be the ones where you are putting in a lot of time. And perhaps she's focusing more on things outside of the relationship and not enough time nurturing the relationship. And maybe that's why they're, you know, breaking and not bending. Um, just, just something that I kind of think about of like, where are you allocating your time? Are you being smart with your time? Are you being efficient with your time? Because if you're not, and you're running into a lot of inefficiencies, I think that could be a good indicator of where perfectionism is controlling your life and you're not controlling it. Mm. That's a really good idea. And I love the, oh my gosh, so much when you said that's quite possibly why she's seeing the relationships breaking and not bending, like again, tied to that, the rigidness, like the fix, like it has to be this. And because humans can't uphold like these very high standards in every possible area of their life, of course, like that's essentially what will happen. Um, another activity that I tend to suggest for my clients to do, since again, at least you are right, it definitely has to do with control and just that fear of not being in control of things, particularly if it's something you don't know. And I think at the root of it, that's what fear essentially is. It's of the unknown. Um, so if they have a situation maybe that they are trying to address and they're afraid that it's not going to turn out exactly how they want it to, we'll do the, okay, so worst case scenario, we'll literally go thought by thought. Okay. So if it doesn't, what's the word, like, what's the worst possible scenario that you can think of, of mm -hmm. the situation going wrong? And then they'll give me an example, say, okay. And then what would you do as a result of that? And then they'll give me an answer and I say, okay. And if something else worse happened, what would you do as a result of that? And then they'll think about it. And then they'll give me an answer. And I'm like, okay. And then if for some reason, that solution or whatever that you came up still doesn't work, then what would you do? So we essentially run down every thought that they could possibly think of in their head as to what the worst would be and how they would circumvent that. And at the end of it, they typically realize whatever comes up, they'll be able to figure something out. Like, and I think it gives them a sense of calm because it's like, before it was just these thoughts that were kind of floating around in their head that they didn't really want to look directly at to even like kind of ponder like I don't want to go down the road of what could potentially happen is I don't know how I would deal with it and it's like okay well this activity is really set up to kind of help you figure out how you would deal with it because that's life we kind of figure things out along the way and it seems to be pretty helpful because it, it gives them some insight into what I guess they essentially would be made of and that the problem wouldn't necessarily be as big as they think of, because usually the examples are really far out. It's like, there's no chance. that <laughs> The likelihood of it happening is like really, really far off. But in the event that it did, like you have a potential plan. So that's helpful. I love a good game plan, Brittany. I love a plan and a schedule. <laughs> and I but think I would, 
go ahead. Go ahead, Elise. I think that brings like some element of predictability. I say this all the time, but when I did play therapy, like the cardinal rule of play therapy is that predictability equals safety and security for a child. And I think that that applies to like all human beings. And so I just, while as you were going through that, I literally was like, okay, like you're coming up with a game plan. You're creating some predictability, which gives you that sense of control. And it gives you that sense of safety. Like, okay, literally worst case scenario, I'm still breathing. I'm still moving. I'm still functioning. Like I will be okay. Even mm you know, if it's hard, cause we're resilient. Yeah. Yes. That's what I got 100%. from it. I was like, oh, so you're building confidence. Yes. Like you're showing your client that she's smarter and more capable than she gives herself credit for. Because if she has an answer for you with every tough question you're asking, I mean, they're in the hot seat, which is why I love blush. Cause we're like, ah, you're smarter than you think. So you're going to play this game with me. <laughs> but at the end of that game, it's like, oh shit, I had an answer for every negative outcome. Maybe I can handle this. And so I love that game. I play it with my clients too. Um, and eventually we stop playing, you know, because eventually they've realized they don't have to go through every single outcome because they know that they can handle it. And, and that's the goal. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the whole thing here. It's like, there's no need to be scared of, of imperfection. Um, I don't think that's something to be fearful of. I just, but I understand that at the beginning it can be scary because it's just really just being scared of the unknown. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's not necessarily being scared that things aren't going to be perfect. It's that if in your mind, that's all, that's all the goal is, well, then what's left. It's scared of the unknown, which is a completely normal fear. And I think all of us have that in us. Mm -hmm. Agreed. This was so good. So good, Brittany. I'm like, you're, you're coming, you're coming back. Yeah, girl, you don't have a choice. I'm obsessed. I feel like I need to, like, I, I, we haven't even stopped recording and I already can't wait to listen to this one to be like, yes, yes, yes. Remember all these things. Okay. Do y'all have any final thoughts for scared of imperfection? I think the last thing that I, I, cause I wouldn't be me if I didn't point on, cause she made a comment about like, don't even get me started on my self-talk. And so I think, you know, really figuring out who your inner critic is and being able to challenge that inner critic and challenge that negative self-talk is also going to help you in the path of like the good enough track, the recovering perfectionist track that we're on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your inner critic's name? Um, Barb. Mine's khaki. Khaki? I love it. <laughs> yeah, you told me to name her a while ago, and I was like, okay. Yeah, mine's Barb, and I've heard a lot of, like, Karens. I make all of my clients name their inner critic because then it kind of, like, disassociates it, right? Like, it's a third party that we can, like, be like, Barb, shut up. It's not today. I don't have time for this. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Okay, Britt, what about you? Any last thoughts for scared of imperfection? I think probably just lovingly letting her know that your life will be more enjoyable. Like the, the more you decide to release and just kind of let go and to understand that that's going to be a process. So not to put pressure on yourself to try to overcome this overnight. This life literally is a journey of us 
getting better, growing, learning, making mistakes, reassessing, relearning, unlearning, like all of that. Mm. So just keeping that in mind, because I think it, it can help to really take some of the pressure off one day at a time. Mm, I totally agree. And you know, perfect people are so boring. My, I think my final thought is there was a study done where a professor went into a class twice. Um, I think it's like the same class, or maybe it was like a sample that was really similar. And the first time he went in and was like, okay, I know what I'm talking about. I'm confident. And the second time he went in and had mustard on his shirt. And afterwards they looked at the reviews and the class where he had mustard on his shirt got better feedback because people relate to people who aren't perfect. People relate to the, I'm sorry, that is my cat in the background. If y'all can hear that, it sounds like he's dying. <laughs> Guys, meet grandpa, okay, who is also not a perfect cat. So I think he's meowing in agreement here, but it's true. Um, being imperfect, having flaws is relatable. There's been studies, like I just cited that, that show that, that prove mm -hmm. that. And so part of I also want to close out saying part of the schism that you have in your relationships might be that you're not relatable. Uh, it's exhausting to be around people who are always perfect. It's not fun. I honestly, I'm not friends with anyone who's perfect. And why would I be? Because they're so boring and they're all up in their heads, figuring out what their next move is. And I just, I, I can't relate. Um, and I, I think that's something to really think about. How can you show up as your relatable self, not necessarily putting mustard on your shirt because you know that that's going to get people to like you, but what makes you right imperfect um, and start, you know, doubling down on that and giving yourself some space to explore those sides of yourself that maybe aren't that aren't that great. <laughs> Like, like me being messy is now a cute thing about me, except for, <laughs> unless you ask Andrew and then it's not so cute, but I've, just, I've decided that. Um, okay. Again. Wow. This was so good. Um, Brittany's got to go. Cause Brittany has a session with a blush client. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, guys, please write into us at blush you at joinblush.com with your story. If you want some advice and if you want Brittany to come back and, you know, have her give you her wisdom, then you can, you can request, we take requests. I will take a request, uh, especially after this episode. Um, and then if you are wanting to play the game with us and be in the hot seat, then use promo code blush you in all caps for 25% off your first month. I think you're really going to love it. You see today exactly what we do and we do not let you off the hook. Let me tell you that. Um, so again, thanks for being here. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And Brittany, thank you so much. Like, wow. Loved being here. Bye, Good. everybody. Thank you, Brittany. We love Bye, you. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>